Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. If you'd like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. That's a message. You know, I think sometimes we forget the cost, right? I often used to ask world racers, 21 to 30 year olds who gave up a year of their life to travel for a year. I said, so when we go on this journey, which Jesus are we going to follow? Are we going to follow the one we talk about in Sunday school or are we going to follow the martyr? Because I can tell you this morning that when you follow a martyr like that, changes your life. It changes why you come and do church. See, I'm not really interested in doing church. I'm interested in being the church. Because you know what's really interesting? Man, I have, I have, I was driving to an elders meeting at the other church I serve at last Thursday. And I'm listening to Jason Upton. And Jason Upton starts to talk in the middle of his song and he says, Many Christians, many people who go to church come and ask Jesus for forgiveness. But they don't stay long enough to hear God say, I forgive you. I started to cry. I'm driving my Jeep. I'm going to an elders meeting and I'm a wreck. I feel like I'm underwater driving my Jeep. You see, what I offer you today is that right there. Jesus. Not Providence Community Church, not a pastor who preaches. I offer you this man who gave his life for all of us that sit in this room. And then we have to answer the question, what are we going to do with it? Because as I studied and as I read and as I've prayed, I can tell you this. Catch this now. Listen to me. I'm going to give you some stories. Guess where all the fun stuff was that Jesus did? Out there. It was in the streets. It was in the highways. It was in the high schools. It was at the workplace. It was in the neighborhood. And then all the people got together and they celebrated everything everybody was able to do during the week. Because when you read this book, right? This is called a Bible. Anybody have one? When you read this book, you know where you get the details about who Jesus is? When he's out among the people. Then the details come. I've read the stories. And then, and then you know what happens in verses in between? And then Jesus preached in the synagogue. And that's all it says. It doesn't give detail. It doesn't tell what happened. It doesn't say there was revival. Because you know why? It was in the street. It wasn't in the house. Over and over, read this book, read the New Testament. It will say, then Jesus taught in the temple. That's it. So many years ago, he said, Tom Sipling, 
I want you to equip saints to do the work of the ministry. You know what the problem is? You know what the challenge is? The harvest fields are ripe, but the workers are few. Because this is so much easier. Let's just do this. This is fun. Listen, you're not going to get much better worship. I love Philip Herndon. I love his worship team. I love their heart. But all that is is a celebration of my opportunities out there in the pro shop at Dick's Sporting Goods, eh? This is my last week at Dick's Sporting Goods. You know what I'm going to miss about it? Getting to hang out with people in the street. So you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to get intentional. Because while I'm okay doing this, this isn't where the action is. It's not. Sitting in our house that we just moved into, we've already been able to have people into our home. And guess what? Do church, be church, have church with some broken people that needed somebody to look them in the eye and say, I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you, I got you. Sitting in that cafe this week, had a young man contact me and say, Tom, can we get together? I said, absolutely, come by the church. We'll sit and we'll talk. And at that table out there, the cafe, guess what? We had church. And none of y'all were there. And Philip Herndon didn't lead worship. But we had church in my home, in my living room. Cindy and I were able to sit some people on a couch that have gone through divorce, abuse in the home. And have church. I took a hike on a Sunday. On a Sunday, I was in the woods hiking. And on the top of a ridge, the young man I was with, I said, Mark, isn't hiking church the best? On the top of that hill, he started to share his story that I had never heard. A lot of pain. Wendy never heard your story, a lot of pain. But I'm telling you, on top of that ridge in the middle of the woods, while y'all were doing church, we were having church. Wherever two or three are gathered, no matter how old or how young, you can have some good church. Let me show you something here. Or your Bible app. Now people get on their phone and people are like, he's on his phone. I know he has the Bible app. It's okay. Jesus says on the cross, you ready? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I can follow that kind of martyr. In the midst of the most excruciating pain a man could probably ever face. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. 
See that right there? Everything we watched on that video, you know what that opened up? They opened up the supernatural, the miraculous, the instantaneous. It unlocks the keys because you know what God kept saying to me is, Tom, there's people going to walk into that church on Sunday morning and everybody has a compartment in their heart that got locked up they don't want to open. And God said, show them. Show them who Jesus is. Show them the price that he paid to unlock their heart. I said, okay, God, I can do that because that's a sermon. I actually probably could just sit down, right? That's a sermon. And so here I am, all the way to the back row and all the way to the front. We come into church and we smile and we greet. How you doing? Doing good, man. How you doing? See, I sat with this big hunk of a man right here, Jason. He's cleaning and I'm studying out in the cafe. And he, he would just every now and then plop down in the seat and we'd have church, right? We had church. And I got to hear part of his story, and I got to hear the, the pain of his journey, some of the things he's walked through. See, I can follow somebody who lays their life down for a friend. The question is, are you Jesus' friend? No greater love has any man than this, that he lay his life down for a friend. I'm pretty sure... I would not have the wherewithal if I was being crucified on a cross like we just saw demonstrated to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I have a hard time when people are mean and say bad things about me behind my back, and I find out. Let me throw this one at you. The degree to which you are easily offended is a display of your spiritual maturity. Right? Right? Isn't that true? Right? So, so we have Jesus, and, and, and he had the opportunity hanging on the cross to be offended. If anybody ever in this entire world had an opportunity to be offended, it was him. And we follow him, so why are you offended? Now listen to me. If you get offended, which we all have, just make it right. Get over it. Pray through it. Talk through it. Soul care through it. I don't care what it is you have to do, but get through it. Because you're following one who was unoffendable. You know what creates quicker than anything in the church? Religious people. And guess what? I don't know who you are, but they're in this room. You know one of my greatest fears? Fear of God. You come to church so much, you know about God, you think you know him. Because what happens Monday through Saturday is where intimacy is happening and where relationship happens. And a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is how you enter heaven. I don't care how good Providence Community Church is. So my question for you is, go into Galatians 5 and read verses 19 through 25. Here's the deeds of the flesh and here's the deeds of the spirit. Pretty much every morning, Cindy and I, when we pray, I say, God, I'm I just pray the fruits of the spirit. I figure if I could get that part right, I'd probably be doing pretty good. 
help me be gentle, help me be kind, help me be patient, help me, help me be faithful, help me be joyful, loving. And guess what? We're not perfect at it. We miss the mark. One of the Hebrew words, one of the Greek words for sin is miss the mark. Sometimes I'm not gentle. Oh, don't look at me that way. Some of you aren't either. How many are married? I will talk to your spouse. <laughs> we, we mess up. You know the key? Humility with a little H. When I miss the mark, I fail, I fall short, I'm mean to my wife. <gasps> I'm mean to somebody at work. <clears throat> I'm always nice to Julia, though. It's called humility, and it's, it's called saying, forgive me, I'm sorry. You know what I, this is what I, I don't understand. All this is written up here somewhere. I just haven't followed it yet. You know what? You know what missed me? I'm working with a couple guys right now that I knew at 17 years old came to me within three days of each other and said, Tom, can you help us? And I said, yep, because I've known you for 20 some years. You know, I did it relationship. See, the title of my sermon is the forgiveness the forgiveness of Jesus or the relationship revival. Because I think we're about to have a relationship revival. It's really hard to do relationships sitting in chairs, right? But it's really easy when you have them into your home. You sit down at a cafe and you pay for the meal. How many know free food tastes better? God, it's true, right? It's true. You know what I think God's in the midst of doing in this hour? He's separating sheep and goat. Sitting inside the building. Look at this. Think about this. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Do you understand how much grace Jesus had? Let, 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 me, let me just point out three stories. Thief on the cross, right? Luke 23, 42 and 43. I don't know if I had that verse given to those guys or not, but... The thief's on the cross. Jesus is in his most agonizing moment. He's about to die. One thief is insulting and hurling words of offense to Jesus hanging on the cross. And the other is saying, what is wrong with you? Don't you fear God? That's what he says. Don't you fear God? And he looks at Jesus hanging on the cross and he says, remember me. He didn't pray a sinner's prayer. He didn't have time to live it. He didn't even repent. 
He just looked at Jesus and said, remember me. And what's Jesus' response? Today, you will be with me in paradise. That kind of blows up some theology. Some of you sitting in this room may not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but I can tell you this, just say to Jesus, remember me. Now, the difference is you're not hanging on a cross about to die because you're not the thief, right? So there's going to be some responsibility after you say, Jesus, remember me. There's going to be some things you're going to have to walk out. You can't live like the devil. You can't live like the devil. Look at this one. The sinful woman, Luke 7, 36. This woman comes into the house. A Pharisee has invited Jesus over for dinner. In case you don't know it, Pharisees look really close to the real thing. They know how to pray because they had phylacteries. They had these things on their head with the word of God in them, and they knew the word. But they didn't know him. So Jesus goes to the Pharisee's house for a meal, and this sinful woman walks in. Gosh, we got to go to this. Look, Luke 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke. You ready? All right, here we go. Let's just start at verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, This, what I'm reading right now, in case you didn't know, didn't happen in a building. It happened in a house. Let me ask you a question. Have you invited Jesus to your house and then invited somebody else to come sit in your house? Could be a chance you have better church than we have church. You know why? Because you may touch a life. See, it's not, it's, not the, it's not the hired guns. It's not the paid people. Yeah. It's all of us. I'm supposed to teach you how to do it. You know the best way to do that? Come sit in my living room when I have somebody in my house and we're having church. Come to a cafe with me when I'm sitting with some guy that's broken down, hurting, Sobbing, come have church. Because that's all Jesus did. He didn't have Bible study at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday with the disciples. He lived his life. They watched him. They got it. And after three years, he said, all right, boys, it's yours. He watched. They watched his life. All of us who say we're followers of Christ, we should be able to say to people, watch my life. Are they going to find perfection? Of course not. We're pretty messed up people, right? I mean, really, we're all, we all have some kind of dysfunction. I don't know what you walked in here this Sunday morning with that's locked up in your heart, but I'm asking God 
and I've been asking God, and I've been walking this sanctuary asking God, I don't care where you're sitting in this room, that you would unlock that part of your heart and you would let Jesus touch it. Because let, let's, just, let's just read on. Look at this. She lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Then they have this conversation, the Pharisee and Jesus. Jump down to uh, verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus talking, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. She didn't even ask him. She didn't even pray. She walked into a room. She started to cry. She took the perfume and she started to wash Jesus' feet. And he said to her, because of your love, because of your faith, look at it, your faith has saved you. When is the last sinful person that sat in your living room on a couch? And you had church. I love cafe church. I love hunting church. I love hiking church. Church. I love Jeep church. Church can happen anywhere. Two or three people are together. Because you know what God said to me at one point? I have been a part of the church, and for eight years, I've been at Dick's Sporting Goods. Not a part of a paid staff position. And you know what God said to me one day? He said, Tom, he, he, he literally took everything from me. He took title. He took position. Everything was stripped from me as far as ministry. And he used to say to Cindy all the time, I feel like I've been stripped naked and I'm standing before God. I literally said it so many times. Cindy said to me one day, would you quit saying that? <laughs> really? And then we went to a church service in York, Pennsylvania, my hometown. And a guy's preaching and I'm sitting right about, Larry, where you're at. And he points at me and he goes, could you, that couple right there, could you step out into the aisle? I mean, no pastors usually like to point people out, but they don't like to be pointed out. <laughs> we stand out in the middle aisle, and he goes, sir, you feel like you've been stripped naked. Do you want to know the first words out of my mouth when I got in the car? I told you. <laughs> I did. I did. That's true. Every one of us sitting in this room, I don't know the pain in your life, but we all have it. Let me tell you the good news, what we learned from Wendy today, what we see in so many other people, the pain in your life has the opportunity to become the passion of your life. 
but you have to choose whether it will. Because too many people go into pain, they stay in pain, and they hide in pain, and they never come out of pain. All the while, Jesus is saying, but if you come out of that pain, I got some people that have gone through exactly what you've gone through that need touched by Jesus, the Jesus that lives in you, that you say lives in you, and when you get up out of that pain, and I don't know how long it's going to take, but when you get up out of that pain, passion's going to come. Now, let me tell you, passion is different than emotions. Emotions last for a moment. I can get real happy if I hit a really good golf shot. I can get really unhappy if I hit a really bad shot and it goes out of bounds. Passion is not emotions. Passion becomes who you are. Why do I love young people and young adults? Because when I was at Shippensburg University, I did some really dumb things. And I found myself really hurting. And I decided out of that pain of that journey through my teen years playing sports and my year at Shippensburg and flunking out, I got an A in partying. (laughs) But God had a plan. He said, Tom, now you've got an opportunity to turn that into your passion. Why in the world would somebody at 65 years old still love teenagers? I don't know. Other than Jesus has put a passion in my heart because of the pain of my journey that still lasts today. I don't want to be an adult pastor. I want to be a youth pastor. When I go to work, you know who I hang out with? The young adults. Come stand at the golf counter, and we have church at the golf counter. We're supposed to be working. We do. We work. The sinful woman. Let me give you one more. The woman at the well. She, you know, what always has amazed me about who Jesus Christ is? He's the son of God. He's God made in flesh. But he stops for one person. One, one. Jesus had crowds all around him all the time. He could have set up tent revival meetings in every town he went to at seven o'clock, we're gonna have revival meetings. He was more interested in the journey to get to the next place than he was getting to the next place. And so God said to me one day, he said, Tom, can you just love the next person I put into your path? I'll try really hard. I didn't have a what I did. I didn't have, wasn't Pastor Tom. I was trying to just love the next person. You know where I found myself on Sunday mornings for a period of time? In Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, down on the streets in the city. Having church with homeless people. And it wasn't any kind of program. I just went down with a buddy of mine and my brother. And we go down and we would just find homeless guys. And we would just. Have church. You know what I found out? There's some good homeless church. I remember flying out to um, 
Lake Havasu City, Arizona. I traveled for seven years and spoke. And the churches in Lake Havasu City rented out the movie theater in town and showed this movie, The Passion, and then asked me to preach at the church afterwards. <laughs> Which you just saw. Anybody want to get saved? I mean, you know, I, I saw a homeless guy sitting against the wall. Now, God's working on me, right? He's stripping my reputation, stripping me naked. I don't need to be on a platform. Because everywhere you go, if you allow it, it's a platform. I see this homeless guy, and I see the churches. They're coming, and they're going into the movie theater. And guess what's not happening? Not one person for 45 minutes stopped and talked to the homeless guy. Not because I'm a great person, simply because God was stripping me. I went and sat by the guy. He said, I don't have a ticket to get in. I said, well, I think I can make that happen. I've already seen it. If they don't have an extra ticket, I'll give you mine. And I just sat and I just chatted with him. Every day, every day, wherever your world finds you, you have an opportunity. You know, the problem is we don't listen to what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell us to do to stop to make a phone call, to invite somebody over for dinner, to meet them at a cafe. We don't listen. Let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. People need us. You know why they need us? Not because we're something special. They need us because we've walked through the pain of our own journey. And if you've allowed it to turn into passion for Christ, when you walk out those doors, then the detailed stories start to happen. Then when we come back in here next Sunday, guess what? It'll say in the Bible, then they had church at Providence. And that's it. That's all it'll say. Seriously, read your Bible. Jesus taught in the temple. Jesus preached in the synagogue. All the good stuff, all the details. How many times did Jesus sit with one, one, one that we blow by every day? Standing in a hitting room. I got a couple in there. I find out he's a retired doctor. They're down for their daughter's graduation from Messiah College. She's wanting to try golf clubs. She's hitting, and we stop and we start talking. When she started talking, we started having church. She said, my son committed suicide. And she cried like I'm crying a year and a half ago. And I'm like, ah, I'm standing at Dick's Sporting Goods in the hitting room. But I don't care. God sent them. I'm going to have church. Excuse me right now. Could you imagine, could you imagine if everybody in here who says, I'm a passionate follower of Jesus Christ would start to live 
And listen, I'm not perfect at it. I miss the opportunities. But I'm telling you, I am way more sensitive now than I've ever been in my entire life because I have not done paid ministry for so long. I don't care if I get paid. I just want to love somebody. I would love to be a part of a church that when we get together week to week, we're just in here. It's a buzz. Man, I got to be with this guy, and I did this, and this happened, and God told me to give some money to this person. And Excuse me? Give money? I used to be the greeter dude at Dick's Sporting Goods. That's where I started. Hi, welcome to Dick's Sporting Goods. And God would talk to me, and I'd, I'd, I'd listen. And he said, go, go buy a gift card. Excuse me? Go buy a gift card. And just give it to him. You see, this is called money. This blows my mind. The love of money is the root of all evil. That, that, that scripture has always blown my mind. I had an entrepreneur friend of mine that said, Tom, money will eat your lunch before you know it ate your lunch. Sometimes, Acts 4.32, none of them, none of their possessions were their own. No one among them had need. Tyler, come here. They just got married. Yeah. I stuck that money in my pocket this morning, and I just was like, God, who are we giving it to? He said, the newlyweds. I said, okay, God. How many know when you're newlywed, money's a good thing, right? Right, right? But, you know, if we became a church that held our money like this and not like this, you want to talk about reach a region? It'd be a no-brainer. And I'm not talking about pouring all the money here. I'm talking about you taking your money out there. Thanks, man. It's yours. It's yours. Love you, man. Take her to lunch or something. Let me try and give you this. If you're in this room and you're one of two kinds of people, you either have come to church for so long you think you know God because you know there's going to come a day Jesus is going to look at you and he's going to go, I know you. Or he's going to go, I don't know you. You know what I've learned in my journey through a lot of pain is intimacy with God. I literally can go and sit and just be with him. No Bible, no journal, because you know what? He wants me to want him. And sometimes we love our Bible more than we love him. Not saying there's anything wrong with reading your Bible. I'm just saying he's better than your Bible because he is your Bible. (laughs) Just go sit with him. Well, Tom, it's really hard. I watch the ants and the bugs fly around and I can't focus and I get it. I get it. There's times I've sat alone with God and it feels like, well, that was a waste of time. There's other times I sit with God and I go, God, I love you. You are so incredible. 
There's people sitting in this room who are followers of Christ, but in that locked compartment of their heart is shame, lack of identity, guilt, condemnation, on down the list, and you're not fully being who God birthed you into this world to be. You've gotten sidetracked. I remember going through betrayal. And you know, betrayal doesn't hurt unless it's somebody really close to you. Then it hurts a whole heck of a lot. And coming home, I, 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 th this is where all the stripping started. Jesus made himself a man of no reputation, Philippians 2. I laid my reputation down. I laid my title down. I laid everything down. And I could preach the message, you're a son of God. Until I didn't have a what I did, and I didn't have a title, and I didn't have a job, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And all of a sudden, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know I was a son. And I'd look in the mirror, and i go, Tom, you're just a son. And you can't carry offense, and you can't carry bitterness. And you know what? God's grace was amazing. I really don't feel like I ever carried the hurt of betrayal. You know who I'd never forgave? Because of what was said about me, I couldn't let it go. It ate me up. I got introspective, probably went into depression. And for a one-year period of time, just God and I just hung out. My neighbor said, I, I'd think you sleep out here on your porch because I'd sit out there day after day after day because I didn't know what I was going to do. And I'd just pray, God, I need your grace. Moses kills an Egyptian, but God set him up to be the deliverer. But now he's got 40 years on the backside of the desert tending Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep. Could it be that God sent a burning bush because sitting on Moses having murdered somebody was shame? And unless God came in a burning bush, Moses would have never heard the call. In fact, when the burning bush comes and God speaks to him out of the burning bush, what's his response? His response is a question, who am I? And you know what I think God said? Right answer. I know who you are. Now I'm going to help you know who you are. There's some of you sitting in this room. I felt like God was saying, now I'm going to let you know who you are. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to the place you've locked up. I'm going to unlock it. If you will let me and I will set you free. Peter. Peter denies Christ at the most absolute crucial time. But two chapters earlier, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on you. If somebody in your most needed hour betrayed you or denied you, would you have the wherewithal to say, I'll still build on you? Because today's Pentecost Sunday. You know what it says in Acts chapter 2? And Peter stood up. When he couldn't stand up for Jesus, 
He's standing among the Jewish people on the streets of Jerusalem. He stands up and he preaches on the streets and 3,000 people come to Christ. Peter was martyred on an upside down cross because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way the Lord was. See, I think there's some Moses and Peter sitting in this room and God's getting ready to unleash you. He wants to unleash you. He wants to use you. Peter goes through three years of preparation, Moses 40 years, and you may be in the midst of preparation, but I can tell you this, God will use you while you're you're being prepared for the next place. He'll use you in the current place, right? And then the last one, here you go, you ready? The woman who committed adultery. The Pharisees drag her in. They caught her, catch this, they caught her in the act of adultery. The Old Testament standard was you got stoned to death. They had stones in their hands. They were ready to stone her to death and then they confront Jesus and Jesus says you without sin cast that first stone. So can I tell you, when you're ready to heave a stone at a brother or sister because they don't do exactly what you think they ought to do, can I just remind you that you without sin, you with the log in your own eye, how about you not check out the speck in another? And oh, by the way, you want to judge them? Well, go ahead because you'll get judged with the same measure. Come on, smile. It's true. We get too offended too quick. And we kill each other. And you know my history in the church? Some people actually think they like it. You know how I know that? Because they don't stop. Religious. Pharisaical. Catch this now. I'm, I'm getting ready to land the plane. You ready? Following Jesus is not built on right and wrong. It's built on life and death. Jesus said you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but you can eat from the tree of life. The minute you start making the kingdom about right and wrong, you judge other people. That's wrong. That's right. That's right. That's wrong. How dare you do that? And you become the Pharisee. What you need to be asking yourself is, when I speak about that person, am I bringing life or am I bringing death over them? Will you do it? Sure you will. We've all gossiped about somebody out of turn. It's what you do with it after you do it. Humble yourself. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Can I see a hand if you are glad that grace goes deeper than your sin? Oh, Oh, if I could put both feet and both hands up in the air, they'd be up in the air. And then you have Stephen. This is it right here. Worship team, you guys can come. Stephen's getting stoned to death, right? He stands before the Sanhedrin, which was a group of elders. They were kind of like a tribunal. 
that judged people, and they didn't like what Stephen said because it cut them to the heart, the Bible says, in Acts chapter 7. So they drag Stephen out, and what do they do? They pick up stones. See, religious people love stones. They love to hurl insult. They love to hurl offensive words. They love to talk about people. They love to trash people. They love to, there's power of life and death in the tongue. They prefer death over life. Religious people. Stephen is stoned to death. Remember what he says? Father, forgive them. Some of you are holding on to offense and bitterness and hurt. I can't think of a better day to let it go. Let it go. Unlock that part of your heart. Ask Jesus to come and meet you in that pain. Cry if you need to. Stay a little extra at the altar if you need to, but get rid of it. You know how much happier you will be? You know who's standing watching Stephen being stoned to death? Saul. You know, when you make it hard to be offended, people watch. Saul becomes Paul and becomes the greatest missionary we've ever known. You know why? Because Stephen couldn't get offended. See, when you don't get offended, there's somebody watching your response and they're touched by your response. They're touched by your kindness. They're touched by your gentleness. They're touched by your, your humility when you didn't do the right thing, but you came back and made it right. So there's three people in the room, those that need Jesus Christ as a savior. They need a personal relationship. I don't know how you want to do it. You may just say today, remember me, God. Jesus physically isn't in this room, so you can't wash his feet and kiss him but you can with your words. See, that Samaritan woman, when she, the woman at the well, when she sat at that well, she had been married five times and was currently living with the guy. Grace, 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 grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift. Jesus is here. It'd be all right if you came to Jesus at a church service. The second people in this room are people who are a future Moses, a future Peter. But today you're not but you got things hidden in your heart, shame, loss of identity, don't know who you are, locked it up, it's in there, and it's kept you from being who God designed for you to be. Jeremiah, before he was in his mother's womb, was called to be a prophet to the nations. Before you were born, before you were thought of, before you were in your mother's womb, God had a destiny for your life. And he still does. And then there's people sitting in this room that are offended. Unlock it. Let it go. 
If you can't completely let it go today, I'm okay with that. I get it. But could you just unlock it and get the process started? So we're going to worship a little bit, but here's what I always have done when I preach. I, I can't help myself. The woman with the issue of blood, what does she do? She fought through the crowd because she knew if she could just get to the hem of Jesus' garment, what would happen? She'd get healed. See, faith is active. Faith without works is dead. I can preach a message. I can call you to hear the message. You can walk out the door and never do anything with it. Or you can decide today, you know what? My faith needs to be active. I need to go and I need to kneel down. And, and listen, I've asked the prayer team not even to come. Because you know why? This is between you and God the Father. You know what I want them to do is just walk behind you and just pray for you. Some of you, you let it go, you might start weeping. Some of you that want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ just need to come and say, Jesus, I need you, I want you, I have faith that you're real. That's it. If you do that, let somebody know and we'll help you walk it out and I will commit to doing it relationally. And some of you are offended. And my heart would hurt if you walked out that door with that same offense in your heart that you weren't willing to unlock that place in your heart at least start to address it. It's killing you. It's keeping you from being the modern day Moses or Peter. relationship revival's coming because you know what I believe with all my heart church isn't going to be normal it's nice to gather in here but man I hope you go have a whole bunch of church this week Monday through Saturday and when you come back in here you can celebrate and dance and sing and be joyful and cry out to God because you got to go be Jesus and have church all week long you can have church most of the time unprescribed and unplanned if you will let him alright so here we go you ready everybody close your eyes bow your head and I'm going to ask you to be the woman with the issue of blood if you need a touch any one of those three areas you just need Jesus you don't know him in a relational way you've known so much about him you think you know him I'm telling you, the fear of God is on my heart. That there are people that sit in churches all across America that think they're going to heaven and they're not because they don't have any kind of relationship with Jesus Monday through Saturday. They just come to church. Or you're here and you're dealing with shame or guilt or condemnation or hurt. And you know that God's got a plan for your life and you're ready to unlock that place and you're ready to come down and say, God, whatever it is, Moses, Peter, James, Andrew, whoever you want me to be, I'm ready to be that man or woman. And finally, if you've got offense in your heart, family, work, church people, let it go. Unlock the door today. If you got to go get soul care after you unlock the door, don't go do it. I'm believing for a supernatural, miraculous Jesus who died on the cross that we're looking at to forgive you of everything that you need forgiven of today because grace goes deeper.
So I'm gonna count to three when I do. I just want you to be like the woman with the issue of blood. I want you to get up out of your seat, that's right. Unashamed, bold, whatever one of those issues are, I want you to come and kneel because I want your faith to be active. I want you to come to a place where you go, God, I gotta get up and I got it. my heart is pounding. I feel like I might be a little embarrassed, but I'll tell you what, to be set free will be better than to sit in your seat and walk out the door. Are you ready? Here we go. One. When I get to three, I just want you to come. All right, you can come at one. Two. You ready? Three. Come on. Come on. Don't do church, have church. Don't do church, have church. God is waiting for you. He wants to meet you. He wants to touch you. He wants to love on you. He wants to wipe your tears. He wants to set you free. Come on. Some of you, some of you want to, but you feel like you're super glued to the seat probably a good indication you ought to. Listen, I know we plan church and we got clocks and we got times. I can't think of anything more important. It's your life. It's your soul. It's your emotions. It's your spiritual condition. It's your physical body. Everybody just stand, let's worship, Philip. Come on, we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit into this room and listen, if you wanna stay. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.